Welcome, everybody, to the sixth episode of Chelsea Against the World, the podcast that brings together an American and an Englishman to discuss all things Chelsea Football Club. I'm your host, Manny. And I'm your co-host, Simon. Manny, welcome back. How was your holiday in Chile? It was amazing. It was a great time. It was awesome. You know, it was a lot of hiking. I don't know how you feel about hiking, but I love hiking. I love being outdoors. And uh, I think it was even better where we were staying. Like after every hike we did, the guide had like beer and wine set up with a bunch of cheese and meat and fruit and stuff like that. So it was just like <laughs> pounding beers after you finish like an eight to 10 or 12 mile hike. And it's just like, it negates every calorie burn that you, that you just accomplished. But it was, it was awesome. It's, um, sounds terrible to be honest. Yeah. Sounds it, it's like a, I'm really sorry for you. That you've had a two weeks. I like know, that, I know, I know. I, I think you and everybody else that was commenting on my stories were just giving me petty, petty hearts and fire emojis, but secretly just wanted to kill me since I was enjoying <laughs> some of my time during a not so good era in Chelsea Football Club, but it was still awesome, man. It was amazing. If you get a chance, and this is to all the listeners out there, please go and visit Chile. We were in Patagonia for five days, and then we kind of went up to the Atacama Desert. It's like the northern part of nice. Chile that a lot of people don't really know about, but it's like, dude, we were in such high elevation. One of the hikes we did, we were at like fourteen or 15,000 feet. Wow. Like, I couldn't eat. I, I, I walked five steps and I was like out of breath, completely out of breath. And the lady's like, okay, now we climb that hill. And I was like, that's not a hill. <laughs> that's a mountain. We got to climb that. And I'm barely able to walk and breathe out here. And it so was, it's a miracle that you made it back it, alive. It, it was definitely, I could just feel my heart pounding. It was like I was out just pounding Red Bulls and vodkas, <laughs> you know, out on Broadway. That's how I felt just walking 20 feet. In, in this elevation, my heart rate was like, all right, we got to slow it down. So I was like doing baby steps trying to get up this hill. But I survived. It was great. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. But, yeah, if you ever get a chance, uh, just go out and visit Chile. It's a beautiful, beautiful country that a lot of people don't really know about after Patagonia. Nice one, mate. Well, welcome back. Yeah, you uh, definitely chose the best time to not watch football and not be in a football-minded setting. Um Speaking from the Chelsea perspective, also the Nashville perspective as well. It's been a little bit. We've I've been to go to see the Nashville Soccer Club uh, once or twice in the last couple of weeks, and it's just it's like it seems like every one of my teams is not doing very well at the moment. It's just a hard watch. So I think I'm quite jealous you managed to disconnect from it. No, it was um, if I if I had picked a good time to go when we talked about it in the last pod, that was like the perfect time to get out and just disconnect from all things related to Chelsea and work and uh, personal things going on in life. It was. It was a lot of fun, and it was actually a great trip. Nice. So you've come back, and lo and behold, Chelsea have got about to announce another new manager. So every time we do a podcast now, it feels like there's a new manager coming along, and so it makes it very, very difficult to keep on top of everything. So um, let's talk a little bit about Chelsea. Um, the last two weeks have been a bit of a roller coaster. If a roller coaster just constantly goes down and never comes up. Oh man, it's been it's been bloody awful. Um that Real Madrid game, the Brighton game, the Real Madrid game sandwiched in between that. It's it's been a rough ride. So let's talk about the breaking news that is coming out of Chelsea today. So it looks like we are about to hire Maurizio Pochettino as the new head coach of Chelsea. 
what are your initial thoughts? From Espanol to the Spuds <laughs> to getting fired, then going to PSG, and now, you know, coming to Chelsea. Um, let's just say I wasn't 100% on board with the whole process. I think we made some mistakes. I think Todd made some mistakes. I, I, I really wanted Nagelsmann to be that coach, but you can't fault him, right? You can't fault him for looking at the mess that, of what Chelsea is from up high down into, you know, into the locker room. And so he didn't want to be a part of this project. I think Pochettino is somebody that, you know, I, I've watched him a lot, obviously not when he was coaching Espanol, but when he was with the Spurs and then Southampton before that. And Southampton. Well. Yeah. Before that. And actually at Southampton, one of the reasons why he got the job at Spurs is he actually had a really good season before with Southampton. I think they were like one of the top teams in terms of players just running a lot of distance. And I think that kind of, if you look at the Poch teams with the Spurs, I think you kind of saw that teams that just players that just kept running a lot and had a lot of pace. Will that be good for Chelsea? I, I don't know. I I think you and I kind of both disagree or d- differ on this hire. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I'm not sold on Poch. I think that, yeah, he does have experience dealing with some personalities, especially at PSG, but will that fit well with Chelsea? I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Interesting enough, before we talk about Pochettino, I want to jump on what you were saying about Nagelsmann. I think there's a lot of PR fluff and bullshit coming out of Nagelsmann's camp. I think it's difficult to trust our owners in terms of what's coming out of our PR department in terms of what's happened here. I don't think there was ever going to be an agreement between us and Nagelsmann. From what I understand, he thought it was a foregone conclusion that he was going to get the job. And this is, this is the guy actually who I wanted. I did want him. I thought he would have been excellent for us long term in terms of in alignment with what the project and what these owners tried to do. However, I do have my reservations about it. And I feel that this is the first sensible thing that our owners are doing right now in terms of hiring Pochettino. I know a lot of people don't like his ex-Tottenham. Fucking get over it. Really get over it. Um, Glenn Hoddle, for those 90s Chelsea supporters, Glenn Hoddle was Tottenham's iconic player of the 80s iconic player of the 80s the thought of him ever going to Chelsea after him being a stalwart at Tottenham for so long he became the first Chelsea manager to bring in those superstars he brought in Rude Hillett at Chelsea in the mid 90s and he started the process of us becoming a global giant I know it's not good that he's an ex-Tottenham manager but let's disassociate the, the Tottenham loyalties at this moment he is the best choice of the available managers that are on the market at the moment I, I don't I've not heard one argument to suggest otherwise so I don't think for me it's not about him being the spur like you know experts that's fine you know it, it, I don't care where you've coached if you can get some you can get production out of our wingers and attackers I'm all for that and there's loads of them so yeah exactly job on his own. So I, 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 could, I could give two shits about him being <laughs> expert manager right that to me that's not part of the basis to me it's just that we talked about roller coasters we talked about chaos and we're seeing it in our front office and on the pitch the fact that we had a, two leading candidates of Nagel has been a loose Enrique who, who I think are two better choices than Pochettino oh I'm not sure about Enrique uh, you know you, you say that but I think what Enrique would what Enrique would bring to the squad is a just stability in terms of formation all right that's what this team is lacking we're going a back three a back four with frank we don't you know we have no identity we have like around 40 players to choose each and every single week i think luis enrique would 
plug in the same starting 11 and would develop some sort of partnership. He, you know, of course he worked with three of the best players ever at Barcelona. So you can't really um, judge him based on his experience with, you know, outside of Barcelona, maybe with the national team, that's an easier way to judge him. But I do think that he would have brought that experience, that leadership, that stability in picking the right players for a 4-3-3. I think our team is more suited for a 4-3-3, which I don't know if we're as suited for with what Pochettino likes to do is a 4-2-3-1. Yeah. Um, I think we're, we can talk a little bit later on that. But I, I do think that there were two – Nagels and Malls obviously was the choice I wanted, right? He was the top person I wanted. I don't know if this is a PR fluff from his camp. I, I think that that may be what we're seeing now. I do think that – I honestly do think that if I was in his position, would I want to join this train wreck? I think that's what you I think he at. would do. You I think, think so? I genuinely think he would do. I think you've got owners who are proving they are willing to pour unlimited resources into the Chelsea Football Club. And whether people agree with it or not, they have admitted that they've made mistakes and they are growing with this. And they, if I was Nagelsmann, if it was the choice between us and Tottenham, there's only one choice. But There's I, I only one choice. Even PSG as well. Like you've got such chaos in terms of like player power. I keep hearing this argument that Pochettino can't manage big egos. I, I disagree with that. He won the league with PSG. Whether you think it's a farmers league or whatever, he did win it with those players. He didn't want Messi in his team. He was th- he was given these players with Chelsea. The egos are not as big as there, and like he's got young talent to develop, which he has done previously. The way that Tottenham, he took over Spurs was very similar to how Chelsea are at the moment. He had an unbelievably high amount of players in his squad and he trimmed it down and brought in young players and made them excellent. Look at what he did to Deli Alley, and look at the effect that Poch not being there has had on Deli Alley's career and certain other players as well. It's like he, the level of ego we have is not the same as PSG. It's not. So... I feel at this point, he is the safest pair of hands to, to get where we need to get next, in my view. Keyword is safest. But I think that's all of our choices recently have been punts yeah. and risky risky appointments. Yeah. Firing Tuchel, that's a huge risk. Appointing Potter, what a fucking disaster. Yeah. And it was an ambitious move and I applaud it. But I think we're in a different phase now. And I'm not even going to talk about Lampard because that is just whoever decided to do that is a fucking I, idiot. I think we were both in agreement with that hire. <laughs> yeah. So I think at this point, I think I'm okay with it being a safer choice. I'm okay with having what he got. People say he never got Spurs over the line. I mean, he got them to a Champions League final with that squad that he had. That is a miracle. Yeah. And he came close to winning the Premier League a couple of times. And like that Tottenham mentality is not a Pochettino mentality. He won the league with PSG. He can get the teams over the line. So I think if... This is what we're going to talk about in a moment. But if you see how far behind Chelsea are in terms of our Premier League performance, it is too a high expectation to think that we're going to challenge for the title in the next year or two, I think. We have been 30 points off the pace for about six years now. That's a long way. We need yeah. someone to get us to the back to consistent top four. And so I, I agree with a lot of your points. For me, I think, I think in the end, if it is Pochettino, I think that you're right. Out of all the coaches that are left that are on our radar, he is the safest choice, right? Yeah. Um, my only issue is that 
what plagues this team will continue to plague this team, and that's a lack of goal scoring. And Pochettino did well at Spurs and at PSG with having Harry Kane, having Neymar, you know, having top quality players, Mbappe, even Son. You know, we we can talk and make fun of Son all we want. He is, you know, he he developed Son and he's one of the best wingers uh, in in the Premier League. You know, not this year obviously, but in years past, he's had those attacking players, right? He's had that striker. You said the last six years Chelsea has sort of fallen off. What have you missing the last six years? A quality striker. Since Diego Costa, we've had Murata. Not technical, not, not, doesn't have the PL quality. We, we experimented with Lukaku. We, that was a mess last year, right? It could have been formation. It could have been egos with I Tuchel. I think that's more down to Tuchel than Yeah, I think, else, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, we, we've experimented with Broja this year. We've experimented playing a false nine. The Kai Havertz uh, last two, three years, that's been a mess. You know, as playing this number nine role, which he's not a number nine. We, you know, it's also based on a formation, right? So I think it doesn't matter what manager comes in. You're going to continue seeing the same problems that we've had in this Chelsea squad, and that's a lack, lack of goal scoring opportunities. And I think that leads to our next point for Pochettino, and if it is Pochettino, and the reports say it will be. What he needs is a striker for his system to work. And I think that's coming. I think that's coming. I think we have to separate the two points here in terms of what he can achieve on his own and what he needs, the backing of the board. And for the report that I, I just read something in The Athletic about some of the discussions we've had. Apparently, we've been Otto Pochettino. This isn't the first time we've had discussions with him. Under Abramovich, we did. And also, when Tuchel was fired, we approached him as well. And we're giving him more control now than we promised him six months ago, which is huge because he needs those players to build around. And I think the fundamentals are there. I think if you're talking about wide, wide players and attacking midfielders, though that is an area that we do not need to strengthen in. If you're talking about central defenders apparently Levi Colwell is going to be centre to his plans which is great fucking news for Chelsea supporters Absolutely. great news for Chelsea supporters and apparently he wants to build the team around Colwell and Mudrick so there's absolutely no question we need a striker and I feel that that issue is going to get addressed in the summer but the question is which striker what striker would want to come to this club without playing in Europe, right? We'd still have the pull. Yeah. I think we would have the pull. I, th- I think I think we I think we we probably will. I mean, we have Fofana, not, you know, not Wesley Fofana, but the other Fofana David we have. Try. We have uh, Armando Brogia, you know, when he comes back from injury, and we also still have Aubameyang on our books. I think he's probably going to be part of the players departing this summer, but you know, we looked at Napoli's striker. I don't know if he'll come now since we don't have Champions League. I think it'll take a lot of money to get him, you know, into our squad. Um, I think going, you know, t- when you're talking about attacking and, and, and players in general, I think the only issue that we succeeded with Tuchel as our coach uh, a couple years ago in the Champions League run is the fact that he was able to solidify our defense and we scored goals when we had to. It wasn't part of the whole process of being attack-minded. Will Pochettino be able to do that in this sort of transition, you know, as he's sort of gearing up with strikers with his formation of a back four? You know, I do think you, he do, will. do you think we'll still have a leaky? Because you know, it's a back three is different between a back four, right? And our players, I think, will be better suited next year with having the backups for Reese James in place. Yeah, with, uh, Gusto coming in. I I think that's important, and I also think this is something I've been hammering on about for a long time. 
we need a proper defensive midfielder. If you're yeah. going to play four at the back, you need someone who can cover that ground. And apparently, we are very, very close to signing Lavia from Southampton, um, who does whose name does sound like a female genital. Um, he is very good. He is very good. Um, and I think that that need there is as important to the striker, in my view, the def- a proper defensive midfielder. If we're not going to get De- Declan Rice, then we should definitely sign Lavia. Yeah, I, I, I I'm completely agree. I mean, I think our two biggest needs are a striker and a defensive mid. I remember watching Poch. I, I cannot stand Dembele when he played for the Spurs. Oh, he was excellent. He man. was such a menace, and he was such an asshole. He would foul all. I, mean, I remember he just kept on fouling Fabregas and Willian in the semi uh, FA Cup semifinals. But he was he was like a very good defensive midfielder for the Spurs, and I think that's what our team is missing. Is that nasty defensive midfielder that can allow Enzo and Kova and Conte to have the freedom of playing, you know, up much higher. And I think in that 4-2-3-1 formation, which is Pochino's favorite formation, that's what this team is missing, a striker and a defensive Yeah, I agree. And interesting you make that point about Dembele. I've got a very good friend of mine, Toby, who's a big Tottenham supporter, who I think always, I'll build onto this in a second, but he mentioned that during that Pochettino era, Dembele was his favourite player because he was just a machine in there. And I go back to this as well. When Pochettino was Spurs manager, I used to really fear playing Tottenham. It's the first time in my lifetime where I used to think we could lose this because Pochettino had them so organised. They had Ericsson in there, a creative talent who Enzo is better than Ericsson. So I think everyone should be quite excited about that relationship that could form. Interesting enough as well, I always do this with try to get the temperature of where Chelsea are at from the outsider's perspective. From an outsider supporter's perspective, Tottenham fans are devastated that Pochettino is about to come to us. And that is very, very telling. It's not like when Mourinho or Conte went to Spurs where we were just like, I mean, it's uncomfortable looking at it, but they're not going to do well there. Pochettino is a different calibre of manager in terms of like modern day strategy and his ability to work with players and make them better. And I think we should be. I think we should be excited about it. I think it's a, a sensible decision. It would. It wasn't my first choice, mainly because I just didn't think he would go anywhere else besides Tottenham. Apparently, Tottenham haven't even had a phone call with him about coming back. Which I just. They fired him too soon, anyway, in my view. And he is, in my view, the best manager on the market currently, besides Nagelsmann. And Nagelsmann is a massive risk. I think them firing him was a huge mistake, but that's just the Spurs way, right? <laughs> they're, they're, they're so focused on firing managers, but their squad development has been atrocious. But, know, but let's, 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 not, Conte let's not get too dis- despondent with Nuno. them. Beyonce is playing there twice <laughs> this summer at that stadium, so who's really winning? <laughs> that's right. Oh, my God. No, going back to your point, I remember quite vividly, you know, whether it was a battle of the bridge or when Angola, or Antonio Conte was our coach or even when Cesario was our coach, I think it was Sorry that lost had our first loss. Conte, at, it was Conte. It was at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, uh, when, when uh, Pochettino's team uh, beat us at home. Yeah, uh, and so that was like a, a record broken that has twenty been broken. years. Yeah, um, I feared. I actually did fear uh, Ericsson, Dembele, Ali, Son when they would you know play in that Pochettino style. Um, I remember quite vividly the FA Cup semifinal where we won four two, but. The Spurs had more possession. They had more, like I thought, just looking at the game, I thought they had way more chances than we did in that game. I remember 
I think, do you remember that game where it was Pedro had scored that incredible goal outside the box? I think Erickson had scored the first goal. And yep. It was 1-0. Then Pedro came back, and right before the half, he scored that amazing, like, banger from outside the box or within the box. And I think Moses had scored the, the, the goal in the second half. And I think we won that game 2-1, yep. if I remember correctly. But I remember those games quite vividly. And then Pochettino, like, it was in those couple seasons, I think um, Pep had just gotten hired at Man City. Klopp had just came at Liverpool. Um, Josie had started at Man U, but it was always Chelsea, Tottenham as like the pinnacle games of those two or three years. Um, those so, games were always close. Yeah. Those games were always close. And those fine margins are the reasons. Like, we lost a lot at, at their ground. Even when they were playing at Wembley, I remember under Sarri, we got absolutely pulverized by them at yeah. Wembley. And those games are always fine margins. And if we're talking about the Tottenham attitude of, bottling it in those big moments I don't think you can attribute to that to Pochettino I think that is a Tottenham cultural aspect of their club and it, it shows when those players are outside of their setting i.e. Harry Kane kicking a penalty kick to the fucking moon against France which I have received the endless amount of memes about mainly from you actually Sorry, late, that, fucking arsehole if you guys were there Simon, I think Simon was going to England uh it was in October, November this past December, year. December, it was December, December. yeah. It was and the was week like, after the France game. Yeah, and I was like, Simon, do you mind taking the the football that landed in my backyard after Harry Kane's penalty kick? And I think <laughs> we got quite a good response from people. Yeah, that's lost like, my mind. But uh, going back to that, though, it's a cultural aspect of Tottenham. I don't think you can attribute those failings to Pochettino. In my mind, and the numbers back this up, he overachieved with that Tottenham team. All right, so let's kind of go back, cycle back. You talked about Pochettino and dealing with the personalities at PSG, and you said you don't think he will have to deal with those type of personalities or he maybe he can handle it a little bit better at Chelsea. Kind of expand on that. Okay, so in my mind, that PSG team that he was managing, he was managing two of the biggest egos in football anyway. So you've got Neymar and Kylian Mbappe, who PSG have literally restructured their club to keep happy and then they signed Messi without asking him and said there you go work it out in terms of the play those three players and obviously you can do wonderful things with those players but the, the rest of the team was completely imbalanced he still won the league with PSG and people say that that's not a, an achievement well not everyone can do it not everyone can do it N- Nagelsmann is well, would have been the manager for Bayern Munich and they're in serious jeopardy about not winning the Bundesliga this year now. And I don't think it's as easy as people think it is in terms of opposition being so much worse on paper and actually following through and winning the league with those teams. And I think the dysfunction that that, those three caused at PSG would have ended any managerial reign, any manager who's worth his salt, who wants to put his impact down on a team, but you have to include these three mega global superstars, I think it's debilitating to any manager who would be in that situation. So I think the level of ego that we have at Chelsea is still very high. I don't think it's the three biggest players besides Ronaldo in the world. We don't have those kind of players. We don't. What about, you know, with Pacino coming, I think the other factor we have to at least talk about is Mason Mount. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's been some reports now that Todd has sort of reopened direct negotiations with Mason Mount. And I think there was 
maybe a tweet or an article earlier today saying that maybe Mason Mount could just extend for one more year to see how it is. I think, and this is one of the positives that I have about Pochettino, I think he could, Mason Mount can excel in that Erickson role under Pochettino. Because in that 4-2-3-1, I think him being that advanced midfielder, dropping in with the wingers or, the, or with our striker, I think that's a role that's suited for Mason Mount. And I think that's one of the positives I have for Pochettino being our next coach, is that maybe he can utilize Mason Mount a little bit better than what Potter couldn't do or what Lampard still hasn't done with Mount. And I, I think that could help out with his future with the club. I agree. I think apparently some of the – oh, yeah, I have to take some of these reports with a pinch of salt, but some of the reports that – I've read it saying that Pochettino says that Mount is vital to how he wants to play, which is good news. That's really good news. I don't want to lose Mason at all. There's no no part of me that does. And Pochettino is a good enough coach to figure out to fit him into the team. And I think if you are, we trim some of the fat in the squad. Conor Gallagher is gone in my mind. Um, and other central midfielders um, who were taking some of those minutes away. Zachariah, he's going to be gone. You know, it's it's. I think he is going to establish a proven midfield and a working midfield. And the fact that we don't have European football means and a week to train in between each game. I think that's huge. And I think with a manager like Pochettino, he needs that time. He does need that time. So I think it's only positive. And I think the, I was not initially completely sold on it, but the more I've kind of thought about it, I don't see any real negatives about the hire. And I don't see how, I'm sure Mason Mount would be like, wow, I, I want to play for this coach. I really do. I think in your mind, are there any other Chelsea players who you think I'm suited to Pochettino and other players you think, oh God, that means I'm out. I think our center backs, I think Fofana, Badiashil, Colwell, I think they'll play very well under Pochettino, especially our fullbacks. Our fullbacks will be in a traditional fullback roles, not wingbacks. And I think having coverage on, we talked about the last pod, it's vital to have a backup right back for Reese James. And I think next year, not having European football will allow Reese James to slide into that right fullback role more so than the wingback role that he's been playing mm-hmm. a lot with Chelsea and even with England when they're playing a back three. I think Pochettino will be able to build upon Reese James' talents at the right right fullback position. I think the back four will do well under Poch. I think we've we've seen Fafana how he's able to distribute the ball much better yep. than Kulabali, and he's able to play a little bit more advanced, even with Reece James kind of being way up wide. I think they're going to excel in uh, the four two three one formation under Poch. I think I'm excited to see that yeah. aspect of it. I'm also a little bit still skeptical on what he can do with our attackers because yeah. nobody's been able to solve that problem the last you know three to five years, and so that's sort of that mindset of like, what can he bring out of Mudrik? What can he bring out of Matoeke? What can he bring out of Havertz if he stays? Sterling? I don't think he'll play him as a number nine. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's pretty safe. Yeah, uh, and so that that's sort of my question mark is. Can he transform our attackers that Tuchel couldn't, that Lampard couldn't do, that Potter couldn't do, and that ultimately led to all three of their demise? Yeah. Right? Can he Can he actually do something with our attackers? Interesting enough, I don't think he'll want Jao Felix. I don't think he will. I think because we've, we've got Nkuku coming in as well, people forget about that. Yeah. An incredible talent who will play behind the striker. 
I think Felix is gone. I don't think he's worth the money. Uh, And I don't think he fits into how Pochettino likes to play. He does. The wide players he had for Tottenham were wide players. And I think Felix's problem is that his position, people are not quite sure where his best uh, position on the pitch is. I thought, we can kind of go back to our last couple pods. I thought Felix looked really good in the 3-4-3 formation when he was linking up with Havertz and dropping in to overload the midfield and help with the build-up of the play. And we talked about that. I thought was one of the best chances. You know, we created a lot of opportunities, right? That's one of the things that Chelsea did under Potter, did create opportunities. We had the XG. We just could not convert or finish in the box. I do think that Felix's days are probably not going to be with Chelsea next year. I kind of agree with you with that. It was Pochino coming in. Um, But let me ask you another question. Simon, do you think if we cannot sign a striker this summer, will they keep Aubameyang? No, I think he's gone. I think he's gone. Um, I think there's no excuse why we wouldn't sign a striker unless we're in financial peril. I just, I don't see why that has to, I think from what I've read, there's three main needs that we're looking out for a goalkeeper, a central defensive midfielder and a striker. And I think, there's no excuse not to go for a, a top-level striker. And also, going back to your point that you made earlier about no Champions League football, I don't think it's that important for one season, depending on the profile of player that we're going for. If we're going for someone in their early 20s, I'm sure our owners could say, listen, we've got a good manager in, we've got a nucleus of excellent young players, it will be one year that we're out of the Champions League, and then you can excel. All right. Potch is hired. First game at the bridge, sets up in a four-two-three-one. What is your format? Who are your players starting? Goalkeeper. None of the goalkeepers we've got now. <laughs> so <laughs> like you know, Petr Cech. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's just—I don't know. Let's pull a name out of a hat. Yeah. Uh, Raya from Brentford. Perfect. Okay. Right back, Reese James. Centre back pairing of Wesley Fofana and Levi Colwell. Left back. Ben Chilwell, central defensive midfielder. Oh, this is tough. I don't know who it's going to be. Let's say, for ambitious sake, Declan Rice is signed in the summer. It'll be Declan Rice, Enzo, Mount, Mudrick, Madueke, and Harry Kane. <laughs> Harry Kane going to be blasting penalties, ending in the pitch at Brentford <laughs> at Fulham, yeah. hitting a Fulham fan. Yeah, exactly. Don't worry, Potts is going to convert him into a winner. It's fine. Yeah, we should put up the nets. Put up the nets yeah. around the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's obvious who we should play up front, and that's our new striker, Golo Kante. Golo Kante, yeah. Okay, how about you? What What, what would your... Did I name 11 players there? I feel I like you I did. missed one. I think you did. I think because you, you added Mount, so that was part of the three. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, it was a tough call not to put Kante in there, but I think yeah. we're talking about building for the future. I think that's where I would start. I think um, I'll say James and Shawaz are fullbacks. What about goalkeeper? Uh, Fofana. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll be signing another Fofana. <laughs> that's right. The third one, the goalkeeper. Uh, no, I think uh, I, I do think that Keppa will still be in goal for us oh, next year. I know it's, 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 it's going to cause anxiety and angst oh. 
for a lot of Chelsea fans, especially now in a back four. Uh, but I do think that I would hope Reyna would be our, our choice, Rhea. Uh I think that we should go after him. I don't know if that's going to be um, a priority after, that will jump above striker and defensive mid. We've had these discussions. I don't know if they'll be able to make – because it, it all depends on what we do that first month. Can Chelsea channel their marina and do the clearing out the squad needs? Right? Can they? Because it's all about clearing out a lot of this "quote unquote" dead weight on our books. And once we do that, then we can make those ambitious signings that we want. Right? We're not going to be able to splash high amount of money on our defensive mid that we may want, like a Conceito or something like that. Um, I don't know if we're going to get Declan Rice. It depends on what we can do that first month. But I, I think just based on what the players that we have, that's how I'm going to do my starting eleven. Okay. So Keppa. I think Reese James, Chilwell's fullbacks. I think our center backs are going to be uh, Batty Ashil and Fafana because I think they're going to play a lot the rest of the season. They'll develop that communication, that partnership that is vital. I think Thiago Silva may play with Fofana in, in in the back four because he's here for another year. But I think I'm going to just say for ambitions purposes, Batty Ashil and Fofana. Uh, my my two midfielders are going to be Conte and Enzo, and then uh, Mason Mount with Sterling, Mudrik on the wings, and then uh, your uh, striker is going to be Brogia. Interesting, interesting. I think it's... I'm not sure... I feel there's going to be a massive clear-out of our playing squad stuff. Has to summer. be, has to be. And I feel that... I think they're going to be pretty ruthless with it. And I think they have to be. I think there's some... going to be some uncomfortable decisions made. And I think I'm... I think this season has better prepared me... I always have this fear of like... How when players leave Chelsea, they're going to excel. At this point, I don't care. I do not care at all because we're so shit. And these players have underperformed to such a high level. I have... I, I That jeopardy, for me, doesn't exist anymore. Like, to me, Pulisic was always one of the ones I'd be like, oh, God, if he goes somewhere else, it excels. Good for him. I don't think he will. If he plays anything like he does now, he won't. Like, to be honest, there's only a couple of players in our recent history that have left us and gone on to be great. If you're looking at De Bruyne, Salah, even players like Tamori and Abraham, they have bits of their new career where they look amazing, but they have not kicked on to the level that we thought they could have done. And I, I don't have that fear about players like Gallagher, Ziek. You know about my feelings about him. Yeah, I think both of us agree on yeah. Ziyech. Havertz as well. I, I, He's just so inconsistent. I think with Havertz, I think he was never in that position to play behind a quality striker. And that's the position he needs to be in. And I think we've sort of let him down in that sense. He was a generational talent when we, when we signed him. Um, I think the, the few games he had with Lukaku last year I just think he didn't it just was it was a wrong formation you know you can't you can't have a striker and Havertz on the same pitch in a back three you know I think you need a 4-2-3-1 um, so I think that I would love to see him stay in a Pochettino squad I would love to see him actually play with a striker I think I think he'll excel in, in that position I, 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 I like Havertz I, I know that we, we always complain about him I just don't think that he was ever given the opportunities 
not just we talked about minutes. He was given a shitload of minutes, right? He's <laughs> he been given a lot of opportunities, a lot of opportunities in terms of minutes. But he was never, never, he never got to play with the striker. Yeah, and I think that if and if and when he does leave Chelsea and he goes to a team that he plays with a traditional striker, I think we're going to see the best of Havertz. Maybe. I f- again, I feel that he's been given ample opportunity, even when Tuchel played him last season before Lukaku went off the boil. You never really saw the best of him, and I'd be ever grateful for him that that Champions League winning goal, obviously one of the greatest moments in our history, but I feel that it's time to maybe cut our losses with him because I don't think I'm seeing the productivity that we expected and he has the ability to do. But this is the thing, and I think this is what I've adjusted my mindset to. Because of the money that we've spent, we're going to have to sell some of our players and teams are only going to want to buy the good ones, unfortunately, yeah, on the same. ones with potential. So there's going to be some decisions that are going to hurt a little bit this summer. But that's what we've chosen, this path that we've chosen to go down. So we have to accept it. Yeah, no, I think there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of egos that are going to be bruised on the way out of the bridge Good fuck next him. year. Uh, Let him go. So closing, Pochettino's your coach. What do, you, what do you give him a score out of 10 of the way the front office has been handling you know the sacking of Potter the hiring of Lampard and now Pochettino coming in up until this point today I would have given them a two um, because the two points would have been for firing Potter uh, actually I would have given an eight out of ten for firing Potter then they lost six points by hiring Lampard I think today if they do go through with this hire they've redeemed a lot of my faith because it is a sensible choice it's not a rash choice. So I would give it a 7 out of 10. How about you? Yeah, I, I think I, I would have scored the same even though we have different, <laughs> <laughs> different opinions. Mine's it's a positive the, yeah, 7 though. Yours probably, is a negative yeah, 7. Yeah, that's the American in me. Still, still optimism, right? That's the American mindset. That's a B, right? That's right. You can still do it, Jimmy. It's okay. Good job. Uh, no, I would have given it a, a 6 or a 7, but I'll, I'll, I'll for contradictory purposes, I'll say a 6. Okay. But I, I do think that I'm. Ha- we both Potter had to leave. Um, you know, I, I thought the teams looked much better under Potter compared to Frank. Yeah, yeah. We had no idea Frank was going to be the next coach. Uh, but Potter had to leave, and again, again, the Frank hire was just disastrous. That's the thing. I, I'll get him in now. If you're going to hire him, hire, bring him in now. Give yeah. him a bit of time to work with the players. Then. I, I don't think that's going to happen. No, I don't. But yeah. I would like it to happen yeah. because Lampard's fucking terrible. No, I, I think now with CL out of CL, we're out of CL. Now it's just a regular season. Just left. a relegation battle just to a contend relegation with. Battle exactly. Uh, I think I think Lampard's going to definitely definitely uh, finish out the season. And as Chelsea fans say, get his proper send off. Oh I yeah, think it's just ridiculous. so exactly. This is the most important yeah. thing. We're going to give him an emotional yeah. goodbye yeah. He, when he we go down to the championship. His little clap around the bridge, super frank. It's just ridiculous. It, it, it's just such the dumbest, dumbest, you know, remark ever. Oh, now Lampard can have his his sending off that he deserves. No, we're not sacrificing CL for this bullshit. Okay, so before we finish up, Brentford on Wednesday. At Stamford Bridge, what are your thoughts? One one, a draw. Well, I don't. I don't think we're going to win the game. I don't think. I, I don't see us. I think we've had some time off. Maybe we can implement whatever strategy Lampard is <laughs> trying to implement in training. Uh, but I, I think we'll end up in a draw. One one. Okay, that's interesting. I, I mean, I'm absolutely expecting us to lose again. <laughs> um, 
But for me being the optimist, this is a new day. That's right. I'm going to predict 3-1 Chelsea. Get we, in! We're going to score three goals at home. Brentford is still going to get a goal because we've got Kepper in goal. It's going to be outside the box, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're going to score three own goals and we're going to win. So, And then the rest of the season is going to be enjoying watching Arsenal bottle the Premier League. And for any Arsenal fan who tells me you've not bottled this Premier League, you're a fucking liar. You are bottling it. Well, that brings us to the conclusion of our podcast, Chelsea Against the World, episode six. Glad you guys had a chance to listen to us. Again, please follow us on all of our socials on Twitter and Instagram. We are CATW Podcast. And if you have any emails, comments, or concerns, or want to send us any unintended pictures, you can do that with <laughs> through our email. That's podcastcatw at gmail.com, podcastcatw at gmail.com. Yeah, thanks for listening in, guys. It's been a fun podcast. Let's hopefully get a win against Brentford on Wednesday and let's hopefully watch Man City absolutely batter Arsenal on Thursday. Come on, Chelsea. Keep the faith.